Hello, and welcome to Spring Office Hours, Season 3, Episode 6, Spring Boot Testing with Philip Ricks. So, Deshaun is in the chat. If you're joining us with the live on the live stream, he is not here today. He is traveling. So I've invited a special guest to come hang out with me. Philip, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing really great. Thanks for having me, Dan. No problem. Now, if there there might be a small percentage of the spring community, very small, who may not know Philip. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And also the topic that we're talking about today, testing. Sure. How did you kind of get into that and how is that one of the things that you're known for? Yeah. So I'm Philip. I'm a freelance um, consultant from, from Germany. Started with um, Java and Spring Boot 10 years ago. And since four years, I've become a freelance consultant. And ever since, I've been uh, blogging about technology and things I, I learned. And for the last three to four years, really focus on that niche on testing. Because uh, at least for me, resources out there are not that great. So we, we have shiny conference talks on new features. But uh, on the testing topic, uh, I saw some some lack of yeah recipes and hands-on practical advice that that's not using a calculator to explain how to test. Yeah, so that's how it started. And ever since, I, I yeah created online courses, ebooks in that area. Yeah, so you do have a masterclass course on testing in Spring Boot. We are going to talk a little bit more about that later. Something else I wanted to mention is you are a co-author of a book. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I've co-authored Stratospheric from zero to production with Spring Boot and AWS. Together with two other authors I, I randomly met on Twitter uh, three years back, we wrote a book on yeah, building a, a Spring Boot application end-to-end -end on AWS, talking about uh, CDK infrastructure as code, and also go deep into monitoring, testing, uh, using Fargate and all the standard AWS services to yeah to help new developers um, navigate yep. through this big AWS landscape. Yeah, I am I am one of the the people that have purchased that book. I have not read it yet. I've started to dive into it, but like everything else, my list of things to do piles up and I got to get back to that. So, I uh, hope to get back to that soon. Um cool. So, I think a good place to start, um well, let me let me step back a little bit. If you are joining us here in the live stream, Please do us a favor, get your questions in about testing in Spring. Uh, we'd love to kind of use that to drive some of the conversation today, answer some questions from you. If you are not on the live stream, uh, you might be joining us via a podcast. Uh, so we turn this live stream into a podcast. You can find out more about that at springofficehours.io. So I think a good place to start is something you mentioned, uh, which, which I kind of fell into talking about testing as well was, you know, I mentioned this in one of the videos I did. Spring has been around 20 years. We just celebrated 20 years of spring, 10 years of spring boot. That That is great because there's a lot of great content out there on spring. But that also means there's a lot of like content that, you know, when you're looking at something, is this uh, current? Is this a best, best practice? How do I know when I'm searching for things? Like, what is the the best thing to to, to kind of read from? So, wh what is your like thought process on that when you're trying to look for a solution? How do you know where do you start? How do you know which resources are the right resources to look for? 
So when it comes to testing, I guess the, the Spring documentation is a great place to start. And also, if I try to learn something from, from blog articles, um, if they link a GitHub repository with uh, some running code, mm -hmm. so that's also something that I started from day one, each blog post has a running GitHub example that's kept up to date. So nice. nothing worse than finding something with Spring Boot 1.4 or Mokito <laughs> 1, and then you try to apply it and... Yeah, right. so there's some, especially if you're a newcomer to Spring, like you you mix up JUnit 3, 4, 5, you copy stuff from Stack Overflow. So there right. are so many pitfalls that um, even make testing complicated in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, the thing I mentioned in, in the video I did, kind of looking at everything in, as far as testing goes, is yeah, the documentation for me is a great place to start because... Um, there's a lot of really good information there, but it's also that I know is being updated with every release. So I know that I'm not coming across like some old way of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, so I agree with you. I, I always start with the documentation, whether it's Spring or, or any other project, that, that's probably a really good place to start. Um, the one thing I love about, at least in Spring, uh, when it comes to testing, is you don't have to opt into testing. When you create a new project over at like start.spring.io, you're basically given that dependency. Yeah. And, and that has a whole bunch of things in it. So I want to dive into a bunch of those. But um, I'm, I'm a big fan of that because we, if, you, if we made it something that you had to opt into, I don't yeah. know how many people would, would really opt into it, right? True. Um, so I guess let's start there. Um, I'm writing a Spring Boot application. I, mm -hmm. I know depending on what type of application I'm writing, uh, there could be some, some different approaches that we can take. Um, one of the things that I see right away when, when we create a new project is there's this test that's written for us right away. It's the context loads test. Yeah. And um, I, I used to just go in and delete this right away. I've since like stopped doing that because I realized that it's important. What are your, what are your thoughts on that default test yeah. that come in? Like, what do you do with that? I guess that's one of the great design choices of Spring Boot. That if you go to start.spring.io, you can't deselect test. So you, you <laughs> yeah. select your your start the web the, the data JPA Postgres whatnot, and you get something additionally like a gift. So this um, Spring Boot starter <laughs> test. I I also. Uh, refer to it as the testing Swiss Army knife. So yes. yeah, it comes with batteries included from day one. So um, working with other frameworks, um, for example, you in, in the team, I, I had times where we discussed endlessly: is it time for test ng? Is it time for JUnit? Um, which uh, how to configure the plugin for the tests to run? And then you waste one or two days uh, setting up your new project, and with Spring Boot, um, it comes batteries included. So less discussions right. in the team. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, yeah, so I've since, I love that test that gets written for you. I since, uh, you know, I leave that there. That context mm -hmm. load test is like a good indication that no exceptions are being thrown. Like we, we know sure. if this test is running, uh, this is a good place to start. And then we can start to build our other tests. Um, so... I guess one of the first things that I that I see in an application, or at least in a test, is one of the first annotations that come up is Spring Boot test annotation, mm -hmm. and um, we could talk about like kind of what that does, when to use it, when not to use it. There, there are the idea of slice tests, which we can get into. 
Um, but I think if you're just writing a test for like the first time or you're not used to writing tests, I think Spring Boot Test is a really good annotation to start with. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will load your entire application context. So if you're in a very large application, this could take time. But if you're just writing like uh, your first app and you, you want to throw a, an annotation on a test, I think this is probably a good place to start. Um, do you agree with that? Yes, I, I do agree. The only thing that I've seen in, in projects that, especially for newcomers, if they read Spring Boot tests, they will apply this annotation for all their tests, making dirty hex uh, yeah. where a simple unit test without any any Spring context uh, would be sufficient. But but I do agree, like also with this annotation and the old test context setup, you also learn a lot about the auto configuration of Spring Boot, and it's like yeah, giving you also great insights to to developing then the the production code so right. good place to start but not stick to it endlessly exactly yeah and so one of those things is you you mentioned that it loads the spring application context so for those out there who may not know this is this this won't be noticeable right away like if you're just starting a greenfield application and you use this annotation and your app small tests are going to run fast but if you start to develop this application and it gets very large and you're putting lots of beans into the application context, or even if you're not doing it, if you're just pulling in all these dependencies that end up putting a lot of beans into the application context, these tests could start to like slow down. So we also have this idea of slice tests in Spring. Can you kind of talk about what sure. those are and where you find them useful? Yeah. So in comparison to at Spring Boot test where everything is part of your test context you can also use these sliced uh, context annotations for example I, I usually use it most of the times for my web layer so when you test your controller uh, that it returns the correct um, response codes and correct data you are not interested at all in your jpa mappings so with these test slice annotations you get a sliced application context where Spring Boot um, makes the right decisions, which beans to load into this context. And then this context context is much smaller. You don't care about the database when testing your controller endpoints. Same is true if you want to test a native um, SQL uh, statement, then you are not interested in your web layer. You don't care about any JWT token attached to your, your HTTP request. And then there's a data JPA test. And there are so many slice context annotations really for almost all tech stacks that you can yeah start there cool yeah and uh the, yeah we'll, we'll talk about the documentation again i'm actually going to pull it up um because one of the things i think that can be a little i don't want to say frustrating but if you don't know what you're looking for it's hard to find the right things right so the things that we're going to talk about today are really kind of focused on Spring Boot. So if you go over to spring.io and you look for the reference documentation, if you go into to learn the reference docs for Spring Boot, you can jump through there and find a section on testing. And this is kind of a really good place to start. Uh, it mentions the uh, Spring Boot starter test annotation and some of the things that you get out of the box with this. As we said, you are... You're, you're, you don't have to opt into this. This is get, You're getting all of this out of the box. And I know I, I, people have said in the past, well, like, I don't need all of those libraries. And you have to remember that this is also being done under the test scope. So when we go ahead and build our artifact for production, all of this gets shipped away. So it's not included in that artifact that we're going to send out. So 
there are some things that get included here. Um, things like JUnit 5. So JUnit 5 is kind of the de facto way to test your applications. Do you, if, if I was just getting started with this, do, would I need to like really understand JUnit or can I just kind of like take some bits and pieces and learn from that as I start writing out my tests? Yeah. I guess with JUnit 5, when you're completely new, the only annotation you need to know is at test. So it, it's really, really simple to, to go. Just annotate a method inside your, your source test Java folder with the annotation and it will be executed as a test. So, But the beauty also there is that JUnit 5 has so many advanced features, but really to get started and write your first meaningful test, it's one annotation to learn. Yep. And then inside of JUnit, there are assertions. Um, so assertions, uh, can you just explain to us like what assertions are and why I would use them? Sure. So with our tests, uh, usually we, we invoke a class under test, uh, a method, some algorithmic logic that deducts money from a bank account and our method under test has a return value. And based on this return value, we want to assert special things. For example, it's not null, it has a specific um, data type or stuff and their JUnit also ships with assertions apart from SRJ and Hamcrest that are included in the Spring Boot starter test. So here, I guess the Spring Boot team yeah, gave us like a, a fruit bag. We can decide which <laughs> assertion libraries to use. In the end, um, at least for me personally, it's usually a matter of taste. I usually start for new teams with just JUnit 5 so the developers don't have to learn new assertions and yeah, for more advanced projects, I, I stick with SRJ, but in the end, pick a pragmatic library of your choice, but don't mix them. So not confuse uh, developers because with JUnit and I guess it's SRJ, the expected and asserted method parameters are switched. So if you're mm -hmm. coming from the one library to the other, um, yeah, your colleagues might wonder what are you doing. Yeah, and I found um, like the assertions with uh, SRJ. I like that fluent style of like if I have to check multiple things, uh, I can use that kind of builder fluent syn fluent uh, syntax API to like run down through a different couple of things. So yeah, as you said, at the end of the day, it could be a matter of preference. Um, but yeah, I think the JUnit assertions are a great place to start and go ahead and check out the other two. I think part of this too is is looking at this documentation. I, I mentioned this in another video as well. Sometimes it's it's just knowing what comes out of the box, right? If I know what is included and I know yeah. what people are using when they're writing code, it makes it easier to go, okay, I can at least understand what's happening here. When if you don't dive into this and understand the different libraries that are included, then it could get pretty confusing, right? Like, what is this code I'm looking at? Where is it coming from? Sure. I know for me, one of those were like the JSON path stuff before. I would see some code, I would see like the JSON path, and I go, what is that? Where is that coming from? And now that like you look at this and you see what's included, that, that just makes reading these tests so much easier. That's true, that's true, yeah. Running Maven dependency tree or the equivalent for Gradle to see what's really pulled transitively, it's, it's or yeah. using IntelliJ, the, the, the tree view, to understand that you get this out of the box. Uh, you don't have to, because I also see projects, you really see if they understand the concept or not, if they reintroduce Mokito, for example, uh, which is not necessary. necessary. Yeah, then yep. 
Um, I'm glad you said that because this is something else I kind of wanted to talk about and we did have a question around it. But before we get into that question, another one of those libraries that's included is Makito, um, a, J- a Java mocking framework. Yeah. Um, could you tell us just at a high, what is Makito and when might I want to reach for it? Yeah. So in general, when for especially for unit testing, when we test a specific class under test, our, our class has collaborating classes it works with and interacts with. And when writing a unit test, we are usually not interested in the, the behavior and the implementation of the class our class under test depends on. And then we can mock it. And with this, we can um, dedicate its behavior during the test execution so we can tell validation service to return false, to throw an exception. And Mokito comes in handy and makes it really simple to to do mocking in Java. But also with Mokito, I would say it's easy to learn, but hard to master. Um, so um, yeah, seen many projects doing cargo cult uh, stuff with Mokito. Um, yeah. yeah, adding brittle tests that are hard to refactor and yeah, just a copy of your implementation. Right, right. And so there's always this discussion when in, when we start talking about mocking, like when is mocking useful? When is it just kind of I'm writing a, a test to write a test? What's your philosophy on mocking? Do you do you use it often? Is it something you reach for? Is there is it being overused in certain places? Yeah, I've I've seen it too many times being used too much, so I'm also a bit hesitant. Um, I guess Mokito in their documentation they have a they have four golden rules. I can't recall them by heart, but they give you a guidance on on when to mock stuff. So, for example, don't mock data classes or any simple POJOs your your implementation works with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sometimes also, for example, if you test a Spring Web filter or converter. Uh, you might be better off using a sliced uh, web MVC test annotation to go through the whole cycle of having a servlet request. Whereas with yeah, just a plain unit test using Mokito and JUnit, yeah, it's like sometimes a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah, you almost um, um, duplicate your implementation. So yeah, it takes some, yep. some time to understand um, how to to spice up your tests with Mokito. Yeah, I think um, I, I'd like to talk about a couple of scenarios of I, I'm writing some I'm writing this project for um, this course that I'm delivering and I'm pointing some tests and I'm trying to figure out like the right balance of it. So one one of the tests that I write is if I have like a controller and that controller has a dependency like a repository that talks to a database or maybe it has a client abstraction that will reach out to like a network service to grab some data, right? Yeah. Um, that controller depends on those things to work. In that scenario, if I wanted to write an isolated test for the controller, testing the inputs and outputs of the web itself and not relying on those dependencies for that, is that a good scenario to use Makito in that place? Yeah. yeah, in that case, if you're really just interested in your controller endpoint and don't care about the underlying um, work your service repository or HTTP client does, that's a good use case. Cool. And then and then that would be one test, but then it'd also be a good idea to have an integration test where I take in the request into the controller and I actually do delegate it out to the repository that talks to a database or the client that makes the HTTP call, right? Yeah. So in the example of the controller, I usually go for all the corner or edge cases with a slice test, but uh, also always have at least one happy path 
for the whole flow. So if a little bit more complex setup uh, with the authentication that you want to test, then I still add some uh, into our integration test in that sense. Cool. So I think that's a good time to bring up Thomas's question here. It says, how can I avoid writing mocks when testing was always the biggest pain. I hope some of that answered that question, Thomas. Um, as uh, Philip mentioned, go check out the Mikito documentation. They have some section in there to kind of give you some more guidance. So maybe you're just using mocks in more places than you should be. Um, so that's always something you can take a look at. Hope that answers that. Um, batteries included for tests are great, though folks still have to actually write tests. <laughs> yeah, I guess what, with um, the upcoming AI, I, I've, I'm currently evaluating many tools in that in that in that area. Diff Blue is one example uh, that um, yeah uses an LLM to automatically generate your Spring Boot Java tests, which yeah wow. for now yeah does some great work. That that's interesting because I've tried to do that. Um, I've used both um, um, Copilot, mm -hmm. uh, and I've given Copilot here's my controller test. Here's my controller. Write me all the methods for a controller test, and it did a pretty good job. And and so if this is some yeah, like if this is if if you just don't want to like get into the mundane tasks of writing the same test, yeah. as long as you're understanding what your tests are doing, um, that may be something that can help with that. Why? Why is it that? I, and again, I'm not putting developers into one bucket, but a lot <laughs> of the times I find developers don't love writing documentation. Yeah. They don't love writing tests. What is it about tests that yeah, I feel like they're so controversial with yeah. developers in general? Uh, what What have you found with that? So when when I started my career, it was also just an afterthought. Um, but really from time to time when I, I learn the how and with the recipes and you understand how to test an HTTP client, for me, it's joyful. Uh, I really enjoy writing my tests also sometimes first. So I'm not a big advocate or religious advocate for TDD, but I've seen a good use of it. And if you know what you're testing, why you are you testing, um, what, what's your main goal? Your main goal shouldn't be to satisfy your product owner reaching 80% test coverage because right. that's also where most of the motivation out there comes from. I just want to take off this requirement in my my release process. Uh, if, if there if, there needs to be a little bit of mind shift uh, to, to why we are doing it because in the end, uh, we want to be productive, uh, write maintainable code that's not thrown over the fence to an operations team if you are really, um, yeah, if you really uh, are responsible for your code, uh, so I've been in projects where uh, where we did really continuous live deployment uh, with real DevOps. So I was on on call. I got the alert, uh, stepping out of the train for a change I did to production, and yeah, it it really shifts your your attention to to what you're doing, and then tests yep. becoming quite handy. Yeah, as a junior developer early on in my career, that was everything. It was. It was, I want to make sure that the code that I'm writing is not breaking something something else in the system. And you can manually hack away and test things by yourself as much as you want, but without tests in place, you're really not going to have that confidence that the thing I'm doing is not breaking something else. So I think that was a big motivation for me early on. And yeah, I think I think a lot of it does come from, you know, I, as a developer, the only reason I wouldn't want to write a test is because I don't know how to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think it's really just kind of educating yourself, sure. uh, figuring out exactly what you should be doing. Um, and what, you know, another big thing for me is like, what types of tests should I be writing? Um, you know, there are different types of tests. We can write unit tests. We can write integration tests, which in our previous example would be like the controller talking to the repository. There's there's pieces there that need to integrate, right? Um, yeah. So that's another type of test. And then the end-to-end tests would be like, hey, let's test the whole flow of something, right? So there are exactly. different types of tests. Uh, and I think my philosophy on that's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go into like a project, do you have something in mind of like, these are the types of tests I should be writing? Or is it more like, let me write, let me figure out what the requirements are and the tests will kind of drive themselves. Yeah, so that's a good point. So when I come into project as as a consultant, the first thing I usually see that there is some confusion about the test terms and types. So one developer talks about a unit test where the other has a different definition, a definition of, of what a unit test is. So therefore, usually I first lay the foundation to to talk about the same thing. Um, I usually start with a pragmatic approach of unit tests, integration tests, and end-to-end tests. There are some teams that get really complex setup, component tests and black box tests, white box tests, and then, yeah, nobody understands and they talk about the same or different thing in meetings. So, yeah, I, I always aim for a pragmatic approach where everybody can, yeah, understand what we are going for. That's awesome. Um, and then, so yeah, to be on the same turn, to be on the same kind of playing field, like when we talk about unit tests in spring, I know this is something that confused me early on. Yeah. Is a unit test in spring is a unit where we're testing a single unit, like a controller, mm-hmm. or any time that we bring spring into the conversation, yeah. are we no longer talking about a unit test? Yeah. Good point. So I also in the past didn't have good or I guess the documentation, not sure if they take a, a, a opinionated approach. Mm-hmm. For me, I found out that the simpler thing is to say once the spring context is involved, it's not no longer a unit test. Um, I call them integration tests. For some people, the definition might differ. Yeah. But for me, a unit test is just using uh, JUnit and Mokito Plane. So yeah, different people might have different uh, definitions, but at least in the team, if we can then agree on on, on a definition, um, yeah, makes it a that, little bit simpler. That's a great point, point. Um, and I really like that you you kind of come into the project first and level the terminology because that could be a really, you know, head scratcher. That could be a hard place to start if everybody's sure. using different terminology. Um, I we were talking before the show started, and I think. You know, over the years, my philosophy on like which tests to write have really changed. Mm. Um, I, you know, 10 years ago would write more unit tests than I would integration tests. Um, and there, there was a huge discrepancy. It was, a, it was you know, it, there's that picture of the testing pyramid and like the big chunk of that pyramid would be unit tests. Then there'd be like a slice for an integration test and then the top sure. would be end to end tests. And, and I think for me, the, the reason I would go that route is tests were very slow 10 years ago um, when it came to integration tests. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I don't know how, how it is for you. If I have to write a test that is like very slow to run and takes forever, this is back to like, you know, compiling Java apps 20 years ago. If yeah. I have to sit there and wait, like I'm less likely to write that test. I need this 
thing that I'm supposed to be doing to be an easy yep. thing to do, right? Exactly. Um, and so, and so that's why I would write a lot more more unit tests. I I found myself in the last few years writing more integration tests than unit tests mm -hmm. in a lot of my projects, and I think it's it's because of things like test containers and Docker Compose support and be able to spin up containers. And also that these things are really fast. If they were slow, yeah. I would not be using them. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Like, uh, are you taking advantage of more uh, integration tests these days? Yeah, I guess for me, it depends on the application that I'm about to test. If yep. it's a really algorithmic, small utility service that does some, I don't know, number crunching, then maybe more unit tests are good enough. Yep. Um, it really depends on the use case. But yeah, I, I try to stay away from any any formal um, visualization yes. of my testing strategy because then <laughs> the next Netflix comes and say testing looks like, I don't know, a house, a honeycomb, and now a pyramid. Right. I mean, it, it's it maybe nice for for to have a north star, but my north star is usually anything that brings us more confidence and faster feedback loops. Um, if it's a project that requires heavy end-to-end -end tests, so be it. If it's an algorithmic small application, unit tests are the way to go. Great, awesome. Um, okay, I have a few questions in the chat here. Uh, in your opinion, what is the best way to test a REST controller class and simulate a client request? Yeah, hard to tell the best. Uh, it, it always yeah. depends, but usually I would start with a sliced um, at WebMVC test. So if uh, the REST controller we are talking here about is using a WebMVC and not WebFlux, I would go for the at WebMVC test, which spawns also MockMVC, which is a mocked servlet environment that you can also use as a client to hit uh, your controller and then also have a fluent um, API to verify things, put in authentication, test multiple stuff so that's the place i i usually start with all right uh, i got another question here um what strategies do you suggest for managing large service classes to improve testability and reduce the complexity of testing with makito mm -hmm. Yeah, I also seen the God classes of Java project with uh, which date back twenty years. Um, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Um, what I usually try if there's room, um, if there's a new service to implement, try TDD with the team. Bring some mind shi my, uh, shift in their mindset to understand. Okay, now with TDD, this testing here might become quite hard. So really try to start if you have a class on the greenfield to to adapt and then learn and then split up the God classes into smaller ones. But there is no one-size-fits-all solution. It's yep. a, yeah, a tough process. I've also been there. Yeah, and uh, you said something that, that really struck me there. One of the other reasons that I really enjoy writing tests is because it points out problems with my code. Um, yeah. If you can't test something easily, there's you're probably doing too much in, in, in a class, too much in a particular method. And so just for my, like, sake of am i writing as you said earlier maintainable code being able to test these things is is an important part of that would you agree yeah i i completely agree and if you perform tdd for a longer time you will yeah see your your quirks in the implementation where it gets complicated and then you have to to think and um maybe reiterate re-implement which for sure takes time which with pressing deadlines it's hard to argue but in the end, we all want yeah maintainable, easy to 
to work with code. So I right. would say that that argument wins anytime. Speaking of arguments, uh, writing cl- writing tests in general and doing TDD that that just takes way too much of my time, Philip. Um, that's going to take too much of my time up. Why why would I do that? <laughs> Yeah, I would say then you you should be in the IT world for two years longer, and then you will <laughs> see the other side if you're not doing it. And after two years, you you join projects <laughs> where your your coworkers or your person sitting next to you also didn't do it, and then you you <laughs> scratching your head and have no clue. And then you may have deployed something that results in financial losses, and then your manager will also see. Okay, maybe we should get into testing. Yeah, that's um. That's another good point. Uh, I feel like I've been on projects with like other teams where I've gone into the project and and there are no tests or very few. Mm-hmm. When when you jump into a new project like that, I mean, I'm guessing you're brought in because you're helping with the <laughs> testing. But have you been brought into projects where there's no testing and you got to make an argument for introducing either tests mm-hmm. at all or or some more tests? Uh, what do you do in that scenario? Fortunately, I've never been into such project uh, before. So, yeah, I guess um, yeah, laying the foundation then is also hard. But I would then start really with the basics and understand the fundamentals of testing with Spring Boot, so everybody is aware what we are doing, why we are doing it, and then mm-hmm. step by step, yeah, take the developers uh, uh, through the testing approach. Right. Jitter Ted says, if you write tests after the code, there's little motivation to write comprehensive yep. tests because the code is done. Uh, I really completely agree, agree. Yes. And yeah. as I said, Deshaun is joining us here in the chat. Hello, Deshaun. Hope you're uh, traveling safe. Tests should provide confidence, confidence that the code will work as expected. Yep. Definitely love that. So um, my North oh, Star with with maybe if I can jump in when it comes to yep. confidence. So my North Star is really uh, how confident are we if there is a dependabot update? So dependabot is a tool that bumps your uh, dependency versions on a Friday afternoon for a major Spring Boot version change. If the pipeline tick is green, how confident are we to push the merge and deploy to production? So that's quite fast stretch, but everything that brings me closer. Uh, to this North Star in, in level of confidence, feedback loops, and automation if something goes wrong, um, then I, I go for it. So it's, it's not just testing I'm doing, it's just bringing confidence to the teams yep. to reduce feedback loops. And yeah, I mean, unit testing, integration testing is just some part of it. Then comes canary testing, live testing during production, monitoring the application, having runbooks, alerts. So the area is quite big and Testing is the foundation. Yeah, the anxiety I get thinking about being in a place where I'm pushing code to production that has doesn't have a comprehensive test suite, yeah. and our entire business is based on that. That yeah. that just like I can't I can't deal with that. Like I need something to tell me it's going to be okay. You can go home for the weekend. Everything's going to be sure. all right. <laughs> sure. Um, so I got another question here. Um, what is the strategy for writing unit tests when the code was not written with testing in mind? So if I would have uh, got this question a year ago, I would say, yeah, do the groundwork and implement it yourself. Right now, I would pick a LLM AI tool. So there are many startups uh, growing in that place where you can hand them over a legacy project 
and let them write a baseline of, of tests at least to have covered at least the current implementation. It may be also wrong, the implementation nobody knows because there are no tests. So that's a place to start. But also there, don't hand over the driving wheel to the tool. Use it as a, a skeleton, a baseline uh, to have at least something. And yeah, that's my approach. Great, love it. Um, another one here. Is it possible to combine a new vertical slice at a application module test with horizon horizontal slicing tests? I may have to pass. Yeah, I don't know on that either. So uh, all the tests that I write are like either using at Spring Boot tests or they're testing a specific vertical slice. Um, ben, if you could kind of provide me with a little bit more information, maybe we can take a look at that. Oh, I think he followed up with this. Or should we? No, I guess this this would be different. Should we use Power Mock? Some say we should not use it. I guess somebody's always going to say you shouldn't use something, so don't listen yes. to everybody. Um, what is Power Mock? Should we be using it? Um, I don't know. So I guess Power Mock uh, in the days before, I don't know, Mokido four dot something was great help to mock final classes, mock static methods. So to do some dirty tricks in your testing uh, to get around some, some corner cases. Um, I would say, as of, at least as of now, uh, if you use the latest Mokito version, you can totally get rid of power mock for most of the features it brings. And yeah, saying you should not use it is quite a bold statement. But in general, I would agree to aim not to use some of the features that are not the core of Mokito, like when it comes to static methods, maybe implement it in a better way, provide a bean and then mock the bean uh, for final classes. Then you usually are on the corner to test framework or you want to mock some framework specifics. Uh, you shouldn't do that. So yeah, usually if you come to the edges where you, you Google and find power mock, yeah, better ask a second opinion, I would say. Great. Um, another question here from David. Does the architecture, so we have like package by layer, package by fe feature or hexagonal, have something to do with how easy the testing process is? I would say so. So in general, if you structure your code that, that yeah, single responsibility made with layers, features, hexagonal, um, um, that uh, you can easily test it. And yeah, have your adapters tested separately with a hexagonal architecture that usually brings in some benefits than having just two God classes. Yep, and and Jitter Ted's here. He can, I'm sure he can probably chime in on that. Um, I haven't written a lot of hexagonal architecture applications, but I know he's done a bunch of that. And one of the reasons he does that is because testing, uh, you do improve that testing process there. So. Um, cool. So great questions. Keep them coming. This is awesome. Uh, how, okay, I got another question here. How to protect, how to protected unit tests from implementation details. When I write unit tests, especially for services, I feel like I'm re-implementing the service in my unit tests. Yeah. Huh. So there it depends what you're class that you're implementing does in general try to test the behavior not the implementation so how it behaves what the return types are if you have a void method that just delegates 10 method calls sends out an email sends out a notification to slack does some database save 
maybe the design there is a little bit flawed and in general maybe there an integration test is more suitable so it's always hard to to give good advice uh, yeah, um, up front or here in the live stream <laughs> but it's it could be an indicator that uh, maybe your implementation is not or you're not testing behavior which is also fine you're just uh, the delegating a command um yeah depends on the yeah, use and, case and i said like i said that's usually a red flag for me that i'm doing something i'm doing too much mm -hmm. as you pointed out maybe this notification service does all the notifications and it sends out a, an sms it sends out an email it sends out a, a slack message and maybe having an interface for that now and splitting that up into different classes now I can just plug in that interface type, right? So now I could say, I'm going to mock this type. Here's my implementation that we're going to like set up for it. So yeah, again, it just kind of red flags for me that like the code that I've written isn't, I can't test it easily. So maybe we have to change some things around there. Um, Jitter Ted says, hex ar architecture also makes it really easy to figure out where you need mocks and where you should avoid them. So great, great comment there. Cool. Um, where to go next? Um, any other like tips or tricks for people who want to be writing more tests but are not? I know you mentioned like kind of get into like TDD style programming or testing, but yeah. Any any tips or tricks that you have for for writing tests and maybe even specifically in Spring? I'll take a look at the content I'm creating on a regular basis. Um, just some some self promotion there. So um, at least for me, it, it's quite helpful to to have like cookbook recipes to test specific parts of the application, and then you also feel much more confident to to explore things. There will be for sure a new database you don't know how to interact with, but the documentation, the examples are picking up. Um, Go to Reddit, go to Stack Overflow, try to explain your 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 the issue you're having and yeah, get going with it. We we mentioned AI for, for like testing. What are how are you using AI right now, like in your day-to-day -day work? So apart from the freelance work, I'm doing quite a lot of content work with the blog and the online courses and AI comes in quite handy there um, to yeah. yeah recycle content or I throw in the blog article and tell the AI to please summarize it for a tweet, please summarize it for a LinkedIn post, um, please adjust my sales copy, please adjust my header. So apart from coding with Copilot, it's a quite nice, yeah, like third hand to work with. Yeah, it's been great. I'm I'm using it for a lot of the same things. I I use it for writing code. I use it for creating content. I'm, I'm kind of using it more and more these days. So I'm excited to see kind of the future of where that's going because it's already really good. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like in one year, let alone like two, three, yeah. four, or five years. So um, that's, that's, that's true. Cool. Uh, we have another question here. Which one is the latest and best suited for JUnit? At Spring Boot Test or at extends with Spring Extension class? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Example to, to really dive into to um, give hints about the fundamentals. So at Spring Boot Test is like a meta annotation to tell Spring, please start the entire application context. Whereas at extend with uh, is a JUnit annotation to register a JUnit extension, which is also part of, of at Spring Boot Test. So it's yep. 
it's an apple and a peach so it's completely two different things so that's at least where i try to chime in with the content i create to 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 answer these questions with with good examples to not see developers throwing annotations at their tests uh, not yes. knowing what what they are throwing in yeah and that's one of the biggest problems like if you go search for something and you you find five different examples and yeah. one example will have at spring boot test on it another example will have at spring boot test and extends with spring extension yes. class and yeah. as you said if you drill into the at spring boot test annotation you will see that's one of the annotations that it uses so yeah understanding that it's a meta annotation with other annotations and not just blindly copying uh, all these annotations from all the examples that you find online. Uh, I know it's hard not to because we want to just get the job done and write a test. But if you can just understand like what it's doing, uh, it'll make it a lot easier to write these tests. So, um, I love creating custom annotations based on the slice annotations to ensure maximum test context reuse. That sounds like fun, uh, Wim. Yeah, that's that's uh, also. I mean, if I quickly can chime in. Yeah. yeah. So one, one of the hidden gems about testing with Spring Boot is, I guess, the the context caching um, feature. Mm -hmm. So Spring Test uh, implemented a feature to reuse an already started application context. So if you have yep. ten integration tests, and they share the same uh, context setup, a Spring is super fast. So you will only uh, need the time to start the context once, and all other tests will be executed. There are many pitfall. There are many pitfalls and things you have to keep in mind. I gave a talk at the Spring I/O um, in Barcelona two years ago, so you can search maybe on YouTube uh, where I uh, I used this feature to yeah narrow down a, a build time of twenty five minutes to ten minutes just wow. by focusing on this feature. And this is like uh, if you multiply it by the team members, uh, that's quite yeah. a lot of money saved and feedback time. And yep. yeah, that's more of an advanced feature, but I, I really love it about Spring because yeah, testing can be then quite fast even with many integration tests. Yeah, that's a really great point. Thank you. Um, I got another comment here uh, saying, are banking apps nearing it's nearing a launch the api tests are done all using postman so this is more of a manual test right? yeah. using a testing tool no unit or integration tests yet as an intern i'm unsure about suggesting unit testing what would you do here That's um, a great question yeah so um, with postman it's also a valid approach but i've seen these postman suits grow and you have big JSON files and it becomes unmaintainable uh, for for thorough testing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't suggest directly unit testing. I would say take a look at automated testing with Java. Uh, unit testing is one approach of it, but um, if it's near the launch, uh, maybe they have to learn it the hard way and launch without <laughs> having dedicated tests. That would be my yeah, funny but I real love that, uh, approach. I yeah. that you're thinking about this. Yeah. This is really great. Uh, it takes many people many years to kind of come to this True. Uh, thought process. So now with Postman, though, I'm just thinking of Postman as like I bring it up on my desktop and I run this test. Is there is there like a way to automate that? Yeah. Uh, so like when I deploy this to a particular environment, do they run like a, a sweat a suite of tests then? Yeah. So that's with not the Postman, I've never yeah. done. Yeah, okay. There is uh, some way to export uh, your collection and then also have some yep. expectations. And I've seen projects using this approach. 
Uh, but uh, all of them then complained after two or three years, it becomes unmaintainable and yeah. Yeah, super hard to navigate this big JSON files. Maybe they improved in the meantime. Um, yeah. It's yeah, but I just, yeah, I think as a developer, if I'm sitting there writing code on my machine, like I already have tests that I'm writing. I just want to run this whole suite and make sure they're all still passing before I go ahead and commit some code to Git, right? Yeah, yeah true. Um, okay, cool. Another good question here. Are you using test containers and what about Docker Desktop that it is not free anymore? Yeah, so I'm a heavy advocate for test containers. Um, using it for almost all projects and would say if you're not using it in your Java Spring Boot application, maybe you're doing something uh, wrong or you should introduce it uh, to have some at least or the early times it was like replacing in-memory databases uh, like H2 was used for integration tests, replaced with the real database and use test containers. Um, I'm not sure about the licensing question, Docker Desktop. Um, so maybe something you can check out. So the test containers, uh, maintainers um, created a company, Atomic Jar, which was recently acquired by Docker. And yep. they... Uh, created the uh, test containers cloud where you don't even have to have a running Docker engine. It connects to a cloud uh, worker which runs your test containers. So you can have a really uh, big integration test set up and you really need a thin client. Uh, don't uh, waste RAM on your containers. So that's something I would um, check out. Cool. Um Another good question here. Is it a good idea to use slice tests for UI testing too? Um, so depends what your UI is. If you have Thymeleaf server-side rendered uh, pages and you refer to this as UI testing, uh, you can do some checks on the model and the returned view. Um, yeah, but if you have like a React application or something, single-page application, I guess you right. can't go far with slice tests. Right. Um, are there tools to find out if Spring is not reusing the test context and slowing down your tests? Yes, that's that's possible. Um, so usually, if you have your if you have the configuration to show the Spring Boot banner uh, active um, in the logs, if you see a new Spring Boot banner being logged to the console, uh, it's usually an indicator that Spring started a new test context and also there is a lock configuration uh, where spring prints out statistics about the test context usage so first thing i do for a new project activate this run all the tests and in the end we get an information how many cache hits we had and how many cache misses which gives us the information uh, how many times spring had to restart or create a new one awesome great answer um I think I, I want to jump over and show off my screen because I think it's relevant to this. Um, do you have a suggestion for a good Spring Boot template project source code on GitHub that have implemented task tests with good practices? And so I will just mention uh, again uh, your testing Spring Boot applications masterclass because I am a student of that one. And unlike your book, I've actually gone through this one. So um, I, can, I can say for certain that there are some really good best practices in here. And this does have a uh, GitHub repository attached to it. Um, is that GitHub repo open or is that closed yes. just for the no. students? No, so um, that's public. Uh, you can check my GitHub profile. 
Um, okay. It's also regularly updated and I try to make it or made it really real world like. So we have key cloak, Postgres, messaging queue. So all the complex things you're not getting taught if you, you check out other articles that show you how to test the add or subtract method of a calculator. So go check out the, the public GitHub repo. And if you like the application setup, it also involves some uh, React small application and end-to-end -end testing with Selenite, which is a small wrapper on top of Selenium. That's at least uh, my go-to place. Yeah, and uh, something else you just mentioned in there, you know, one of the big things that we were just talking about test containers before in Docker Compose, and w one of those things is, you know, just being able to, we, 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 Sean and I say a lot, like being able to Git clone run, right? Mm -hmm. I, I hate those documents that you get into and it's like, here are the 20 things that you yes. need to do and set up to run this particular application. I'm less inclined to want to help you out on that project if I have to do all of the setup work. If sure. I could just clone a repository and run it, oof, that makes my life so much easier. So Yeah, yeah same with uh, me. If I join a new team and Maven Verify doesn't work on the third or fourth try, I'm already frustrated. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, so this testing Spring Boot Applications Masterclass, what, uh, mm -hmm. what, what, what's involved, what, what is it, what's included in it? What do you, what do mm -hmm. you kind of go over with that? So I recorded this uh, during Corona, uh, so where I don't had the commute and had some additional time. And out of this time, I, I took uh, some effort to create this comprehensive online course. So it's really 12 hours plus uh, video content, um, 130 course lessons, going, starting really from the bottom uh, about JUnit, Mokito, uh, about the Spring Boot Starter test, what it brings, about slice testing, integration testing, and then we go up, uh, if you want to say the testing permit, but always also include best practices, use a real-world application with more single page application with React um, and it really focuses on testing. So unless, unlike other courses that show how to implement, I show how to test it. Um, and ever it's, it's up there for almost three years. I regularly update new Java versions. So right now it runs yep. with Java 21, a Spring Boot 3.2. So that's also something I really like as a student if the content is up to date and not recorded once and then forgotten. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, and I could verify that because I follow the GitHub repo and I look at my GitHub notifications and I always see Philip making updates to this. So, nice. uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's great. Um, uh, let me see one more. I got another question here. How do we write tests for the APIs exposed? I'm not quite sure I understand that question. Um, I mean, the contract of the APIs. Yeah. So there's this technique of contract testing, uh, which also there's Spring Cloud contract testing, or you can get deeper into using Pact uh, for, for contract testing. Um, I've seen some teams making good progress, but uh, you really have to then introduce it on a company level. So if you're talking about APIs that are internally used, then also the provider and the consumer have to, to do some coding. And yeah, usually it failed in the, at the organizational level to bring this up as a whole. But in general, it's also a nice thing to to add. Uh, if you have always, if you have a public API, a banking API, to make sure your clients uh, don't fail. If you change, uh, I don't know, data types or introduce some new fields, yeah, also good technique. Awesome. 
Cool. Well, I think we are coming up against the hour here. I know it's a little bit later for you, Philip. Um, I think what I, I hope we can kind of stress today is that as long as you can get in, start with the spring documentation, start with uh, you know a course by Philip and learning some of the basics and best practices, start at the foundation and like it doesn't need to be this overwhelming, I need to write 80% test coverage of my code. Start with the basics and just write a test for one of the one of the features that you're working on this week or next week, right? Um, yes. Start from there and build upon it. And then building, you know, adding a new test to like the next feature that you write, you'll start to see these patterns for the types of applications you're building. And I think from there, once you start to learn the foundations and you're repeating it and you're doing it with consistency, uh, it just becomes kind of second nature, right? And I think all of the things that we kind of discussed today about giving you confidence to ship code, making sure you're writing maintainable code, these are all going to be kind of byproducts of that. Yes. And I, I think you're really going to like enjoy doing this after you kind of see those. So. Philip, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your uh, wisdom with us. <laughs> if anybody here or anybody on the podcast wants to keep up with all the things that you're doing, where can we find you at? So best place to connect is on, on X or LinkedIn. So right. there is um, like my like the page, it's called Rick Pill. That's my handle. Um, yeah, reach out there. DMs are always open. Um check out some courses, check out the blog. Um, I'm always eager to help, um, also active on Stack Overflow, regularly scanning Reddit for any testing-related nice. uh, <laughs> questions. So, yeah, super happy to jump in. And thanks for, for giving me uh, the place to, to talk about testing, Dan. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us in the live stream. It's been fun, and we will see you in the next one. As always, happy coding, friends. Joyful testing.